inviting uh, guest who's going to be here for offering coming on up. My friend Keisha Polonio. Polo See, I told you I was never going to do it right. Polonio. I did it right. All right, cool. Um, as your pastor, one of the things that's really important to me is to make sure that I'm still learning and finding people who I think are doing things that I really admire and look like maybe the future of what we're hoping for as a church. And so Keisha and her church and her network of churches is a community that I have really grown to admire. Some people say I'm maybe like a little too into it, but that's just, I'm a fanatic type person. So um, I got to know Keisha when I was spending some time in Florida this last year and a bunch of other people from her community uh, called The Underground. So I'm going to have her share about who she is and her community a little bit um, as a way of encouraging us in what's going on here at Mill City. Good morning, guys. Um, like she said, my last name is Polonio. I'm from Belize, so that's where that comes from. Um, I live in Tampa because I came up here for college, and I just really sensed the Lord keeping me there through these last, I don't know, 12, 16 years or so. Um, I'm a part of the Underground Network, and we started with just 50 of us that really loved the Western Church but was really confused and disheartened by Sunday morning and the middle class experience and just wanted more than, especially for me, to serve in kids' church or to work in women's ministry. I really felt like I had more to offer, and a lot of us did, but there wasn't place for us in the big church. So we left, and we started seven home churches. Um, this was in 2006, and since then, we've created a nonprofit that really exists to equip and mobilize small missional communities, is what you guys call it, right? Um, as of right now, we have 135 in the Tampa Bay area, about five different international movements, and a couple of other local movements. So that's us. Awesome. So we have nine missional communities. Yeah, it's good. It's exciting. And so I remember, I think I saw it first on the website. I was like, 130? <laughs> I got to figure out who these people are. Um, can you share just a little bit about the types of, so all of our missional communities have a specific focus. We say like an out focus or a mission. Uh, what are some of the ones that out of the 135, just out of the top of your head, what are some of those? We have some that reach artists. Um, we have some that reach black inner-city youth. Um, we have some that reach, we have some doulas that got together and specifically go into the hospitals and look for moms who do not have any family, anyone to care for them, and walk them through that process. If you ever had a baby, you know what that process is. And if you don't have anybody, that's really hard. Um, I work with a mission called Created, and we work specifically with women coming out of the sex industry. So I go into a lot of dark places in our city. We have 90-plus strip clubs, uh, more than Las Vegas, uh, a lot of brothels. So I'm in the clubs, I'm on the street, I'm in the jail, going, looking for where women are to remind them that there's a family extended, even in the freezing cold, that hasn't forgotten them and loves them and cares for them and a God who sees them in every street corner and every dressing room. So that's us a little bit. Keisha's been telling these stories about going into clubs and <laughs> going into um, different brothels and on the street where people are, doing, are prostituting themselves and things. And it's amazing how it, it's so needed that you rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you in that and to lead you in that. It's been incredible and inspiring to me to hear that. So she's going to spend some time today with some of our missional community leaders and, uh, with, and, and has been connecting with some other people throughout the Twin Cities that I know. Um, is there anything that you'd want to say to us, kind of as a word of encouragement or warning, I guess? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Someone just asked me outside, well, you must have had a passion for the sex industry before you got into creative. And I was like, no, I didn't. I remember when the founder came and asked me, like, you should come. And 
I'm like, you want someone better, at least who has saw a documentary, who read a book, who has a wristband, a T-shirt, something. Something better than what I have, which is zero, nothing, no experience. And I remember praying for a long time because that's what we do, right? We pray because we're Christian. And I totally thought Jesus would say no. I would tell her no. It would be quick, easy. And he didn't say no. He was really quiet for a very long time. And one morning I woke up and I, I saw this image, really, of a table that said created. And this whole time I was just telling the Lord, like, if you want me to, of course. If you want me to, I'll do it because I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want. I'm yours. You just say, you tell me because I really want to know because the clubs are scary and the streets are scary. And you just let me know. If you tell me, I'll go. If you, you need to tell me. I was talking so much that I couldn't hear him ask me the question, would you take a seat at this table because nobody else was willing to. And so this morning I just want to encourage you that there's many tables in this city that nobody is willing to sit at. Nobody is willing to take a seat at. And God is asking all of us in this missional movement, like, are we willing to take a seat because nobody else is willing to. So I pr- I'm praying that over you guys this morning that many of you will say yes like me. Amen. Amen. One final question. Uh, yeah, wait, hold on, hold on. You can clap. But I, I really want you to share one more thing. Uh, one of the things I know I have felt and a lot of us here in this community have felt is that mission is hard and it, it's exhausting and life happens and it gets in the way and so is there anything that you would say just to all of us who sometimes feel weary because we've got health things that come up and family things that come up and job stuff and what what would you say to us as far as how we can keep keep on going I remember them asking me for created and I thought that's for like the young people the single people the Christian ends and the JDs and the all those people like praise the Lord for them because I'm married and I have two kids and I how, how am I going to do that and then then I got cancer and then how am I going to do that and then I had more complications and how am I going to do that and guys what else is there for me to do but then to give my life out for that and it will be hard I'm not saying it's not hard my little kids cry all the time when I'm going to the clubs you know at nine o'clock and they're like can you please stay and I'm like yes but I have to go tell people about Jesus because my call is more to them these little two boys that I love with all of my heart and so it will be hard it will be hard it will be hard but God is good and that song got me choked up when it talks about like this is his world why am I sad I look at our city and I'm very sad because I see a lot of things that I feel like we can't create it can't touch but he's just looking for us to say yes and he will give us the grace and the healing and the provision and the time and the sleep and the money and the babysitters and all of that that we need so so yes all right now you can clap thank you Keisha welcome to Mill City We're in this series called Renewing Relationships, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about how we can practice renewing relationships by offering your gifts, offering your strengths to community as an act of worship. And one of my favorite chefs in the world, Chef Pastor Christian Ann, is on stage to do a cooking demonstration. Hello. And so this is kind of a dream come true for you right now. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Y'all wanted right. to have a cooking class. Anna already asked this morning. It's fun. It's amazing. Yeah. You have some giant onions there, I see. All right. One of Christian Ann's strengths, if you, if you don't know Christian Ann very well, is she is an amazing cook. And I think you can even hire her to make a meal for you if you want, right? I like the plug. That's yeah, plug your, plug your business. Please do. Full Plate Meal Company. If you would like me to make you a meal and you just don't have time, 
healthy, delicious. You name it, we got it. And yeah, and they can find you on the Facebook. Yeah, all right. I asked Christian Ann because she's such a good cook to come up here and and prepare a dish for us today that I recently came across. Maybe you all eat for a long time, but I'm I'm new to it. It's called risotto. Any risotto fans out there? Yeah. All right. So it's kind of an Italian rice dish that she's working on right now. A friend of mine in New Orleans introduced it to me. And Chris and I were recently at this kind of fancy restaurant downtown where if you walk down to the restroom, you got to go by the kitchen. And you can kind of see in the kitchen and they got everything going in there. There's like 15 people in there and they all got a roll and it sounds kind of crazy. It looks kind of crazy. But they're all on this team and they're they're making this unbelievable food for this restaurant, which is amazing reputation. People are ordering stuff, and they're yelling at each other and communicating and making things happen. So I thought since we're talking about offering your strengths to your community, I'd have CA come up here and help us make a little bit of risotto. Um, what, um, what, are the, what ingredients are you working with over there exactly? It's onion. That's onion. Specifically a yellow onion. Yellow onion and not la- as, large. Not as potent. And then what's the what's sort of the mincing technique that you're that you're employing? You need the largest knife possible. Okay. You wouldn't think so because you're gonna be chopping something small, right? So you bring a small knife, but a large knife actually gives you more control. And then, what? Not yet. Is she crying? Not yet. Yellow onions are not as potent. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks amazing. Is it? Are we ready to? Eat, are we ready to try this? What do you mean? The risotto. Are we ready to try the risotto? We have onion. Well, I, I mean, I think it looks pretty good. I don't, I mean, I think let's just try it. Yeah. Here's okay. the, here, we'll just put it on a plate. Somebody want to try the risotto? Anybody up for it? Look, Cooper, look, Cooper looks like he's up for it. Let's go down there and see. It looks pretty good to me. Okay. I think, yeah. <coughs> All right. It's Italian, right? Right, but, you know, that's not quite, um. You don't think it's quite done? No. I think it's fine. I think Cooper's going to love it. This is onion flavored um, risotto. That would be one way to look at it, yeah. I yeah. guess. Give it a taste. Yeah, that's, that's mm, wow. That's brave. What would you say? What, what kind of flavors come to your mouth? Uh, onion. Onion. <laughs> I get a strong um, acidity, maybe? Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Do you think anybody else wants to try this? Yeah, anybody else? Like risotto? Huh? I think Isaac said Anybody? he wanted to try some. Isaac? Onion risotto. risotto. You guys look like you love, would you like some risotto? Are you sure? No? no? Are you sure? Huh? It looks, it kind of works like a mint, too. <laughs> so if you're talking to people later. Thank you, Christian Ann. Yeah, okay, well. so this is totally insane, right? This is an absurd example of talking about a group of people. You need a team of people to make good risotto, I think. You can probably make it by yourself, but it's better if you make it in a team. And if I throw Christian Ann on the stage and all she does is produce onion, you all go, well, Mike, we're missing a couple things, right? So our point of our sermon today is to ask you, what role, what gift do you bring to the overall picture? Thank you very much. Um, can I try some before you? Sure. It looks good. Mm. Do people not eat raw onion? Is that not a thing? Brian's shaking his head at me. You can't just make onion, okay? You can't just make onion. You've got to have other pieces. And this text we're going to look at today in Romans chapter 12 talks about all, how all the pieces have to go together. And if you don't know which gift you have and you don't know who you're offering the gift to, then we can't be who it is that God has created us to be. So I have these kind of two questions for you. 
that I want you to think about as we begin today. One, what strengths are you bringing to your community, to your church, to your family? Okay? If you had to explain that to the person next to you, what would you say? What did you say during community time? And secondly, what community or team have you committed your strengths to? And this is one I want to talk a little bit more as we read Romans 12, is that it's one thing to be good at chopping onions, but if you have never really committed that gift to people who know that they can depend upon you to be the best onion chopper that they need when they need it, then it doesn't really matter if you're good at chopping onions or anything else. And one of the hardest things about seeing God's people, the church, as the light of the world, as the people who are supposed to help others know who God is, is that we still see things so individualistically, as Stephanie said last week, that we don't know if we can count on each other in this room even when we know we need the gifts of the people next to us and vice versa. So we need to talk about how renewing relationships through committing to each other to offer our gifts whenever they're needed is essential to us being the people that God wants us to be. So you have a, a piece of paper in your program today that looks like this, and it has the scripture on it. And I want to try engaging the scripture just a little bit differently today than we normally do. So if you can find this, you're going to need it in just one minute. Grab it and pull it out. As Stephanie said last week, Romans chapter 12 is part of a letter to the church in Rome, which you have to understand is a very small sort of fledgling community when the letter's being written in the midst of the most powerful city in the world. It's not a Christian city. It's a pluralistic city. And these people are trying to figure out what their identity is like in the midst of uh, finding faith in Christ, in the midst of this powerful city. The second thing to know is that right before this, in chapter 11, right at the end of chapter 11, there's a poem that talks about how, how great God is and how unknowable God is. And it talks about how there's no way that we can ever comprehend how amazing and eternal and infinite that God is. And in light of that, in light of that truth, this letter, this part of the letter in chapter 12 is being read. And I'm going to invite you to read this with me here in a second. This is from a translation of the Bible called The Message, which some of you will be familiar with. The Message is kind of a unique translation in that it was translated entirely by one person, where most Bible translations are translated by a team of scholars. The, the translator in this case is a pastor by the name of Eugene Peterson, who was trying to teach the Bible to his congregation and found out that even the translations that were available to him were not plain enough language for his people to get. And so the message translation, he said he had two reasons for writing the, the translation. Uh, he said, I hope to bring the New Testament, originally the New Testament and then eventually the whole Bible. I hope to bring the New Testament to life for two different kinds of people. The first one was people who haven't read the Bible because it seems too distant or too irrelevant to them. Maybe you find yourself in that camp. And secondly, uh, I meant to write this for people who had read the Bible so much that had become old hat, and they needed a fresh reading. Maybe you fall into that category. So just as an experience, we're going to try reading this, his translation of the same chapter that Stephanie talked about last week, and I'm going to highlight a few things for it. But instead of me reading it to you, I want to invite you to read it with me and follow along. And if you have a pen, and I know some of you have like a thousand of those Mill City pens, so pull one of them out, you know, pick which, what, whichever one you feel like using today. And... Uh, 
and maybe think about these three questions at the bottom of the page as we read it. What seems important to you in this passage? What stands out to you particularly as important? Secondly, what strengths or gifts has God given to you? Are you an onion chopper or something else? Or number three, what do you think God might be saying to you or us this morning through this passage? Okay? So um, on three, let's start reading this passage together. We always have a little trouble getting started, so if we're awkward at the beginning, just get over it and keep going, okay? All right. One, two, three. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't be so adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you don't misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get too bossy. If you put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. I want to give you a second of silence just to think about those questions I raised. Write down something that maybe sticks out to you or a gift that you think you have. Just take a minute to reflect on this passage.
we spend a whole month in this passage, it's good to read different versions and compare what different people are saying so you can kind of get the depth of what this text is trying to say to us. I have three points that I'm going to share with you kind of briefly, and then a few stories of things that, ways in which we see this playing out in the life of Mill City and beyond that. First, first point is I want to say that worship defines our relationships. So we're talking about renewing relationships this month, uh, but this passage starts in verse 1 by saying, offer your regular everyday life as worship to God, right? Everything that you're doing, everything that you're saying, everything that you care about, offer all of those things to God and pay attention to what it is that God is saying to you and be quick to respond to that. And so every relationship you have ought to be oriented towards what is it that God would have for me through this relationship? Or why is this relationship important in my life in God's eyes? All relationships ought to be seen in the framework of how is this part of what it is that God is doing in the world and, and my role in that. Whether you're thinking about a, a child or a spouse or a friend or a family member or somebody you haven't talked to in a really long time. This passage begins by saying, unless we orient ourselves around God as our primary, the thing we're primarily paying attention to, we're going to get distracted by tons of other things. And I love the way he talks about the world here, because sometimes when you read this passage in other translations, it feels like the world and everything in it is terribly evil. Don't conform to the pattern of the world or anything in it. Just don't have anything to do with it when we're all walking around in the world all the time. So that makes that a little bit tricky, doesn't it? I like the way that Eugene translates this when he simply says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Be carefully examining every single part of your life as you participate in work, in friendships, in the neighborhoods that you're part of, and ask God to highlight for you and inspire you to live in the way that he would have you live in those contexts. Relationships, as we think about in this month, are very clearly in this passage not an end in and of themselves. The point isn't just to have renewed relationships, to be somebody who has strong relationships. The point is to be a worshiper of God for whom relationships are an essential part of your life. And those are two different things, because sometimes when relationships are made an end, if you're looking for fulfillment in a relationship, or you think relationship is the end-all, be-all of the things that you're focused on in your life, and you disconnect that from worshiping God, the relationship will ultimately fail you and break down and not provide what it is that you need. Whereas you have it rightly oriented towards understanding that my worship of God requires me and calls me and invites me into deep relationships with other people, so I can offer my gifts to them, and they can offer their gifts to me, and then we can be part of something much larger than ourselves, we start to understand relationships the way that 12 is describing them to us. These relationships, they're not an end to our th themselves, but they are the glue that holds us together as we discover what it is that God wants us to do and how we're to worship God. Second point, without renewed relationships, we really can't play our part. And this is the point of my silly illustration as we start this morning. You look at this illustration and you think that's the most absurd thing. It didn't, it didn't even quite make sense to me. Yet, lots of us are living our spiritual lives as if we chop onions and we chop onions and we eat onions and that's really all we need to do. 
We are individualistically trying to follow God and seeing everything else as secondary to that. Where this passage, especially in verses 4 to 6 here, right, they say the whole defines the parts, not the other way around. So unless you understand that you're part of a larger community of people, that God has called and shaped and spoken to, Steph said this letter is written to a group of people, not just to one person. And then you understand that as part of a whole, you have a role to play and a gift to give and a strength to share, then you can understand it rightly. But if you start individualistically and say, I can take my onion chopping ability to any church in America. Who wouldn't love to have my onion chopping ability in another place? Then you're starting to define yourself with individual first and trying to work out to the whole, which is how a lot of us are functioning in churches. And that's just not what what is being said here in the scripture. He's saying to this little church in Rome, you all have to stick together because God has gifted you to do the things that need to be done in that place in that time, and you're part of it. Once you understand that, you can figure out what your specific role is like. You cannot follow Jesus by yourself. You can't follow Jesus by yourself. Most of you will nod your heads at me, and I'll nod my head at me. But functionally, we're spending a lot of our energy on our own trying to do things by ourselves. So when Stephanie says something simple last week, like find two or three people who you trust that can be the people who listen to God with you and for you, that's not like an option. Like it would be a good thing to do if you had those people. What she was saying was you can't hear God without those people. And you you can't give your gift without a community. So even though we have tons of respect for everyone having a different pursuit of God and understanding of how they reach their relationship with God in Christ, ultimately the community matters. Worship together matters. Being together is essential. It's not optional. And so as we start to listen to this passage, we realize that renewing our relationships not just renewing some friendships with people you haven't seen for a long time, but looking people in the eye and saying, you can count on me and the gift that God has given me to serve whatever it is that you need. That's different, right? That's a different level of commitment that we're talking about. Here's my third point. I think that as we share, we learn to share God's good news, not only by what we're saying, or what people can hear us say on a podcast or on a website, but how we live our lives together, that's how evangelism, the word that we have in Christianese for good news, sharing God's good news, that's how people are now experiencing evangelism primarily. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When groups of Christians come together and start to understand what I'm saying today, that A, worship orders relationships, and relationships are essential, not optional. And they start to give their gifts, uh, as Keisha's describing, people who say, I'm passionate about this, I'm saying yes, I'm giving my gift. You have stories that are coming out of people living their lives that way, who are leaving their children at 9 o'clock at night in order to go out to strip clubs to share with people that there's another way that God's grace can be different in their life. That's how people in our culture are starting to understand that they need Jesus. Not by being argued that the Christian view is is more right than other views, although that is an important discussion. People are just saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't, everybody's perspective matters. But if you tell them a story 
about a group of people whose lives are significantly different because of the way they're following Jesus together and say the good news is an invitation to eat at that table, to be part of that community, to discover what God has in mind for you as a person who can play a role in the midst of that. Doesn't that sound like a different invitation? We're not just saying that your religious views are wrong and you ought to fix them. We're saying, I think, closer to what Jesus was saying was, come and follow with me because we're going to really amazing places. And my whole life is different because I chose to follow Jesus into places that I never would have chosen to go otherwise. But it took something from me. It took me ordering my life around God and worshiping God is the most important thing. And it took me making a relational commitment to people that I otherwise would not have made a relational commitment to. So one of the deep struggles of church in North America, which I've spent way too much time thinking about, is this. Over the last hundred years, we started to think of church as a voluntary association. You know what that means? It means that you can be part of it if you want to. It's voluntary. And when you don't want to, you can just stop. Now, while that's true as a citizen of the United States of America, there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus goes, if you feel like it, if you want to, if it's good in this season of life, you can participate in this group of people. And when you don't, don't worry about it. You're still saved. He never says that. He says, if you want to come with me, there's going to be all sorts of sacrifices, but you're going to find a life that you can't find anywhere else. And that's the invitation. And so for Mill City, at this stage of our life and our maturity and our development, we desperately need to see the need for us to renew relationships and commitment with each other, to go way beyond voluntary association and say, you can count on me. Even when it's hard, even when we disagree, even when we're in a financial hole or we have more money than we know what to do with, just like every other family that you are part of, I'm in, I'm here, I'm doing this. As long as God has me here, I'm here. And so I think there's two important steps that I want you to think about taking and, and as we practice renewing relationships by offering our gifts to a community of people worshiping God. The first one is this. You have to know what your strengths or your gifts are, right? For some of you, that might be really easy because you've been assessed and you can't even believe how many assessments you've taken online or otherwise, and you can describe your Myers-Briggs and your Strengths Finders and your Enneagram, your conflict resolution style, and your Myers-Briggs and every other possible assessment you can think of, right? You know too much about you, maybe. If you don't know, one great way to get at the essence of your strengths is to ask people who know you. Skip the assessments for a second. Just ask the three people in your life who really know you, tell me what you think my gifts are. Sometimes I've been in those conversations and people are like totally shocked by what those folks tell them. Do you, do you know that you have this gift? No. And oftentimes because it comes so naturally to you, you don't even notice. So ask somebody this week, what, what do you think I'm gifted at? It's an easy way to get a compliment from your friends, if nothing else, right? All right. Number two, we have lots of resources uh, on the website, on the blog on millcitychurch.com where you can take any of the aforementioned assessments that I just made fun of, but actually are really helpful to you. Does that work? Can I turn it? Strengths Finder, APEST is a test that you can take to help identify some spiritual gifts. 
encourage you to look at those this week if you have time. Third one is name some ways that you know God has used you in the past. Look at your history and say, I know that God has done this through me uh, in my life. Whether you're a student or an adult, um, that will work. Okay, that's the first thing. Know your strengths and your gifts. And the second thing is you need to commit to being on a team. And there's lots of different teams that you're invited into, so let me just talk about them. There's a couple of people in your life that you know that are, your, that are so close to you that you, um, you would literally give your life for. Those people need to know that you're committed to them. So I just encourage you, if you haven't said that to them in a little while, just tell them that. I'm on your team, and whatever I have is available to you. Second way might be, as Stephanie was talking about during announcements, to join one of these groups of people that's 15, 20 people, oftentimes these missional communities, that really need your gift to do what they're trying to do. We asked some of the missional community leaders this week, what do you need? Some of them said, we need people who are prophetic, who can tell the truth, who can help us see the things that are right. We need people who are administrative to help us organize some of the activities that we're doing. We need people who can shepherd, people who are joining our group and really need someone to pay attention to them. Once you find out what your gift is, consider investing it in one of the missional communities or helping to start a new one. And finally, uh, every so often we have a class that helps people, a process that helps people become covenant members of Mill City Church. And let me just briefly say why I think this is so important. To combat the voluntary association disease that we have in the church, we just invite people not, not in a crazy, radical way, in a very, very firm, very honest, very mutual way. If you ever looked at the, at the covenant that we sign as members, it is to say, I'm accountable to you, you're accountable to me, and we're in this church together until God tells us otherwise. So if you haven't been through that process, you can look that up on the web. We'd love to have you become part of that. Let me share a couple examples for you, and then I'll be done. We have lots of people in our church who already share their gifts. We are not starting at zero here. I'm not saying Mill City has never done this before and we need to start. We have many of you who know what your gifts are and we know as a group that we can count on your gifts. We have people who are administrative. One person in particular who's very administrative has stepped into the food shelf ministry. Who's involved in the food shelf ministry over at Little Kitchen? She has helped us to organize and invite people and create schedules in ways that have made it possible for way more people to be involved, to make it way clearer and easier for what you're going to do when you come there and what you're committing to and how you invite other people. She's used her gifts of administration to not only commit to serving there herself, but inviting lots of other people over. We have people who on Sundays when we don't have regular worship, we have training opportunities, have given their teaching gifts to teach us about discernment about writing your own mission statement, about spiritual warfare, about all sorts of topics that aren't on the staff, that aren't paid to do this, but they come and they offer their gifts to bless all of us. Some of my favorite people in this church are the walkie-talkie people. Have you met the walkie-talkie people? They wander around while we're all in here with walkie-talkies attending to child emergencies as they arrive. They're called producers. There's a handful of them. And they love it, most of them. They are gifted to be in the hallways. They don't love it? No, they do. They love it. They go from the hallways and they say, listen, I know how to help make these things run smoothly and I know how to respond when something isn't going the way it's supposed to. And they're out there every week and you never see them, but they know that's one of their gifts and they're offering it 
to our church. We have people who are entrepreneurial and have knowledge of the healthcare industry who take time out of their schedules to meet with people, lots of them who are in their 20s, to simply just walk them through their healthcare options because they know a lot about healthcare and they can help them decide what it is that they should do and what choices to make. We have people who will meet with you one-on-one -on -one just to go through your budget to see what your finances look like and give you coaching for free to help you figure out how to be more financially healthy. We have one gentleman who's a web developer in our church. You guys will have fun just trying to figure out who all these people were after the service, right? We have one person who's a web developer in our, in our church. We had a group, one of our missional communities, that needed to collect socks and underwear for people who are experiencing homelessness. And he created an internet campaign recently that resulted in the collection of 1,286 pairs of socks and 257 pairs of underwear. He took his gifts as a web developer and invited people to be part of a solution without him going out and buying those things himself, and it produced this amazing result. We have people who are planning parties for our captives free missional community to help raise money and celebrate the work that other groups are doing to help women come out of slavery and find uh, help and hope in their life. We have one woman who works in fundraising who recently just gave the staff advice on how to communicate well about the financial needs of Mill City Church. We have one gentleman who's an architect who's designed a whole way for our new building to be handicap accessible uh, in the next couple of years. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Now we should probably clap. I have somebody write me an email this week and just say, I can't even remember the topic of, of what they were asking me for, but they, the byline was, we know you have such an incredibly gifted church. Maybe this is something someone would want to give their time to. And they weren't writing it to me like, you should do this and help us with this. They were saying, we already know that Mill City is full of people who have all these gifts and are willing to offer them to all sorts of things. That's our reputation, which is amazing. Part of renewing our relationships is continuing to dig deep and say, do we know what we're good at? Do you know what you're good at? Do you know what God's gifted you to do? Are you doing it? If you are, let's celebrate that. If you're not, let's help you name it. And let's renew the spirit of saying to one another as we're renewing our relationships, you can count on me. You can count on me to do the thing that God's gifted me to do and, and not to do the other things that I'm not gifted to do. And the more that that trust rises in our church, the more the Holy Spirit's going to be able to use us to do amazing things. 